do it now and ask forgiveness later, you know, because at the end of the day, it's about what you want and it's your life. Hey, dream chasers and aspiring game changers. I'm your host and creative coach, Lindria Reynolds, and welcome back to Creative Masterminds. So that you can get your dose of creative fuel to help you catch those dreams, stop overthinking, and elevate that life-transforming brand. Today, I am so happy right now to have with me on the mic, serial entrepreneur and the woman behind Fame Enterprises, Miss Chris Christian. Hey, Chris. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Well, I'm well. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining me and thank you for agreeing to drop some of these creative nuggets. My pleasure. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm so excited to chat with you today. So let me give the audience a little background on how I met you. So earlier this year, I attended the May Maven Leadership Summit, which was phenomenal. It was just so many brilliant women of color gathered in this one place and just gaining all this creative fuel to take over Chicago and beyond. That's how I saw it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was truly you know, phenomenal and empowering. And I didn't know you before then. And so we chatted a little bit and I even attended your workshop and I was like, she is pretty phenomenal. And I just want to continue conversing with her and even having the opportunity to share more of what she knows, all of that knowledge for other aspiring entrepreneurs. So that's what brought me here today with Chris. Also, what I've learned from from the conversation that we had, Chris, you are a creative magnet. (laughs) <laughs> wow. I've never heard that before, but thank you. I like it. <laughs> you are a creative magnet. And I say that because people are drawn to your brand and creatives are drawn to your brand. You attract creativity. And the fact that you're able to creatively collaborate with so many people and help people to share their creative voices with different audiences, people are drawn to what you're doing and you have this desire to push creativity out. You collect and you push it out to the masses. I love that about you. And I was like, I have to tell her that she is a creative magnet. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's That's really great to hear because I I never would think of myself like that, but I'm just doing what I love to do and hoping to inspire other creatives to do the same. So, yeah, that's great. (laughs) Oh, no problem. So my first question to you is I always um, ask my guests, what's your creative love story? Where did all of this passion um, derive from? Yes, that's a great question. It's definitely been a a journey that has been kind of um, unique and all over the place at the same time. Well, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur first and foremost. And um, growing up, I just, you know, really was attracted to the lifestyle of an entrepreneur. And at the time, you know, back then it really wasn't a big um a big thing like it is now, but I uh, was always interested in it, but I wanted to make sure that I chose the right business to start in. So I went to Howard University um, and I decided to major in business management because I just thought that, hey, I might not know what business I want to you know, create, but I know that I will always need the fundamentals of business. And while I was there, Um, I found out about investment banking and finance. And um, at the time, I still, I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And I did realize that being so young, I needed to, you know, 
start somewhere and probably not, you know, full do full time entrepreneurship, but maybe have a side hustle. So I started on Wall Street, got a job at Lehman Brothers, which is crazy because the same time that I got my full time position was actually the same month that Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. And, um, you know, that whole financial crisis started. So coming out the gate, I just knew that, you know, the traditional corporate job was not as stable as people had made it seem. And that I probably need to make a decision sooner than later about, you know, the direction I wanted to go. So while I was to reverse back, while I was at Howard, I started my first business called Couture by Kristen. It was a jewelry um, online shop. And um, I found out a lot of information about marketing and branding and creating my own campaigns at the time. And um, I was doing it in, in banking, but I realized that I just wasn't as passionate about what I was doing because it was, it was just, it was cool, but I, I didn't feel my creative juices flowing as much as I would have liked. So it was a great business to start. But while I was doing that, I learned so much about like what it took to produce a campaign. And so I was like, you know what, Th- there is a Um, a problem in terms of small businesses and the marketing services that are available because, you know, because of the budget of small business, you might not always have the funds to do it the right way. I was just looking around and saying that, you know, our stuff always looked, you know, less quality. And it always seemed as if, you know, there, there was something missing in small black businesses in, in terms of the execution of their marketing campaigns or their events or, you know, branding, logos, all that design stuff. And um, a couple of my friends at the time started new businesses and one was a nonprofit and I produced from scratch, you know, a full campaign, a launch campaign, got the event, coordinated the venue, um, managed all of the production Um, the video, the media, and I realized how much it took to do this and how many people it it involved. And I was like, there's no way that people can really do this and be successful with all the people involved. So I was like, I want to start Fanguage to be a one-stop shop where people can come, specifically small businesses that come and literally get everything that they need to, you know, jump start a business. And I was doing this for a while while I was in banking, which is crazy because I already was working crazy hours there. But coupled with the fact that I learned so much from banking, the presentation of it, you know, how people operated, the professionalism of everything, in addition to, you know, just some low hanging fruit with clients. I was 23 at the time. I I wasn't passionate about, you know, finance necessarily. And I was like, hey, I want to just see what I can do with fame um, and see if I can get more clients and go from there. And so I quit my job in 2011. And, you know, from there, the rest is history. My greatest story um, that I I just love is the one of Myel Organics, because um, just to see, you know, the the growth of the business now and to know that you know, they hired us um, back when it was just an idea and um, we created these full scale campaigns from them. And to see that happen, that is that's what kind of 
pushed me to, you know, continue fame because at a time I really wanted to quit. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too much. But seeing, you know, stories of everyday people and being able to transform their ideas into life through these beautiful visuals and, you know, these great graphics and, and, and to do that in a time where, you know, the internet space was just crazy. And, you know, now we had access to Facebook ads and all these diff- different digital marketing tools to amplify the campaigns. Um, that gave me kind of the, the wherewithal to stay in the game and, and just make, continue to making it better. Well, thank you for sharing your journey. And I love um, your honesty um, because sometimes people won't start a new business or just continue to pursue their dreams because they're afraid of the obstacles. And the fact that you're sharing some of the obstacles and that you actually started your business while you were still working. What was the one thing that kept you motivated, even though you had to work super hard to start your business while also, you know, maintaining just a daily lifestyle, right? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I would completely encourage anyone who is, you know, interested in entrepreneurship to remain at their their day-to-day nine-to-five job for as long as possible. And to not quit that job until the demand is so high from your product or your service that you have to quit. Like you literally have no time in the world to do this. And you know that, you know, you, you have a plan and you have the amount of money in your bank to, you know, keep you and sustain you for, you know, at least, like I would say, 18 months. Um, if you don't, there's really no reason. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, yes, I understand the just awareness of of employers, you know, being concerned. But at this point, a lot of employers know and and know about entrepreneurship. Most people have side hustles, even if it's like Ubering on the weekend or whatever. So I just think that that's something that, you know, just should be discussed with your employer um, and if it can't be discussed, you know, do it now and ask forgiveness later, you know, because at the end of the day, you, it's about what you want and, and, and what, it's your life, you know. And so for me, um, the question was obstacles. I mean, there's so many different obstacles. And I, see, I think that a lot of times entrepreneurs or people that are interested in entrepreneurship now, the biggest mistake is is starting a business and really it just being pretty on the outside and, and being like, you know, it's, it's a nice logo, it's a nice website, you have great social media pages, but the operations of the business not being completely nailed down. And that has been a big challenge for me, you know, especially in the beginning um, when I had no idea, you know, what that really looked like behind the scenes and like the actual, like, operations and shipping and, you know, invoicing and billing and taxes. It just, there's so much that goes into owning a business. And um, it's very, very hard if you don't know and you're not educated around what those things are. Um, And so I struggled a lot, especially in the very beginning, because I was spending funds in the wrong places on the pretty stuff. And behind the scenes, it wasn't tight. And so definitely try to get those things tight 
and and right before before launching because you have to deliver. And when people um, purchase an item or purchase a service, they expect that you know you can produce the results that they're looking for. And a lot of times, those results are stemmed directly from the operational side of your business and not the marketing side. Um, so that's kind of been a big challenge for me. Um, in addition to so much, so many other things, but. But that's something that I didn't think about early on. I'm so glad you mentioned um, the operations behind the business, because as someone who uh, works in branding as well, I would oftentimes get clients and they're like, oh, I want the logo. I want this. And one of my first questions is always, what's your business plan? What are your goals? Because sometimes when you start to deal with branding and marketing, people um, confuse branding with just the logo, just the identity of it. How does it look? But Mm -hmm. even once you get into branding, it's, it's the, it's your values. It's the, the message. This is information that needs to be pushed out. So all of this needs to be solidified before you even start to think about the brand identity of a company. So I'm so glad you mentioned operations. There's definitely an order that needs to happen (laughs) before you start to launch. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That was good. That was really good. No problem. It's, it's true. I mean, it's it's hard. It's it's hard to see that when, you know, especially as a creative, because that's not the side that we typically lean on. I don't know what side of the brain it is, but it's like everything is visual. Everything is pretty, um, but it can't work. It literally cannot work if you don't have the systems and the processes in place to execute. And I've worked and spent a lot of time on that part, especially with MADE, because um, there's it, it can really prevent you from growing and scaling your business if behind the scenes things aren't in order. So um, I hope that helps someone. I'm, I'm sure it will, Chris. And thanks again for sharing that. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about MADE. One of your brands, um, MADE Magazine, um, which is awesome, and... You have an excellent following and you really deliver impactful content. I mean, Chris, you've had prominent celebrities support what you're doing and you're sharing their stories, you know, such as Nick Cannon, Aisha Curry, Damon John, um, Jennifer Lewis, too. Right. Recently, Jennifer Lewis. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. in recent years, you know, research um, has showed that a lot of popular publishers um, have sold their publications for a number of reasons. And what do you think you've done differently to rise above the clutter, to gain such popularity and success, especially with being such a young magazine? Um, Well, I think it's a few things. Like right now, I think a lot of the publishers that uh, may have, you know, stepped outside the industry or closed or whatever, um, there's a lot of things behind the scenes we just don't know. Uh, But I think that the industry itself has shifted a lot, especially, you know, in terms of digital media. So what is necessary now has changed so much. And so traditional publishers are having a harder time changing platforms, you know. And for me, being a millennial and being, you know, very savvy with, digital media and just different platforms rolling out in 2015 after I already had a marketing agency and had built relationships in the industry and had done a lot of free work um, in the entertainment industry specifically, which yielded those relationships to have the covers and all of that stuff. 
um, the the platform in itself has is 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 a lot. I would say you know sixty percent digital, and um, we do still run the print publication for a variety of reasons, but it's not the same as what other traditional publishers may have used it for. And so uh, for me, I think the biggest thing that has set us apart is the model that we are really amplifying the voices of, of millennials and content creators. And it's not necessarily the same traditional model even as the contributor format, but we're really rallying a community of creatives that are contributing to MADE, are producing with MADE, are um, you know being republished by MADE. So I think that we are really focused on generating content with content creators versus just being a news source, um, sharing information for, you know, a general audience. So specifically for us, we have created different channels um, based on people's interests. So Made Maven is our women's channel. It is specifically around, you know, catapulting them to the next level in their careers. And we also have Sound and Color, which is specifically for um, artists, you know, creative artists, you know, true visual and vocal artists. And then we have Creative Currency, which is really focused around the finances, around, you know, turning your your creativity into, you know, monetizing that creativity. So that's, that's another channel. And then we have Founders Row, which is specifically for entrepreneurs. And then we have Made Mindset, which is just, you know, for empowerment. So, you know, uh, deep, when we got into Made, Initially, incorporating celebrities was something that we really wanted to attract people to because um, they had stories that we hadn't heard before. And we we originally, you know, wanted to just share the, the come up of their journey and success. Like, OK, great. You have all these great things happening for you now. But I want to go back to when you first started. How, you know, what were you thinking at the time? Who did you meet to, to help you? And how did you get there? So that was kind of the first initial way that we wanted to, to stand out. But going back to the channels, we realized that everybody's not the same. Everybody um, want, you know, like they're interested in different things and being able to cater and customize the content to what they were interested in was really, really important. And also being more of a resource to people and a guide and a blueprint versus just sharing, you know, this this gossip and shade and everything else. So I think it was just a mixture of a lot of things that set us apart in addition to the fact that I really, um, especially as a Black publication, really wanted to focus on the quality of it and, and you know, we deserve quality work and quality visuals and um, stories and that that takes time. But um, it's not just about the short term impressions for us. It's really about the the quality of the stories and being able to be a true multi-channel platform for creatives to express themselves. So um, it's a mixture of stuff, but I think that we're on to the right 
track and I'm hoping that, you know, we we can stay in the game. I know that we can stay in the game, but media is hard. You know, it's it is a lot of clutter to filter through, but it, and it's it's an industry that's very unique and everlast ever changing. Um, but I think if you stay on the trends and you continue to to produce quality work, you know, anyone can jump in and and be successful. While you were speaking, you mentioned relationships and how you started to develop relationships. Um, with key people in order to actually even feature them in your magazine and the relationships that you continue to build with other creative voices um, so that they can share, you know, their gifts and talents as well. We know that networking can really help to launch your brand or your business. So what advice could you give to someone who may be a little bit shy when it comes to building relationships? or just may not know even where to start to build relationships so that they can get their businesses um, up and going? Yes, that's a great question. And um, in terms of just generally networking, um, from fame, I connected with several clients from Howard and from being an AKA and just the networks that I had Um, to give to them first. You know, I talked about the free work, and I know that this is something that people talk about all the time, but I just really cannot emphasize it enough in terms of my personal story, how um, in the the beginning, I, I always knew that I was going to expand fame outside of just a marketing agency. So I, you know, began with the end in mind, knowing that okay, there's a reason why I'm reaching out to Carlene Roy um, to help her in this situation that she needs to do something, let's just say in 24 hours, gave her a flyer, whatever she needed at the time. And I knew that the relationships that she had or I wasn't connected to could yield different results for me in the future. Did not necessarily know who that was, didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that eventually one day I was going to need her and and several other people. So I was constantly giving in early in my career, just saying, hey, is there anything you need? Um, When people ask me, I give them a little family discount just to show them that I am contributing to this because I want to see them win, but I also you know, know that they're valuable as well. And so with networking with these people, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot less talking and a lot more doing and saying, hey, this is what I can help you with first. And I think that people, I thought that this was like a general thing, you know, like a general idea that people knew, but it's not. I get emails all the time saying, can you sit down with me for coffee? Which I have a coffee company, as you know. And one, they don't ask me like, hey, do you want to do, do you, can I like purchase your coffee? <laughs> like they, they, they're one, you're like, okay, you know I'm an entrepreneur, you know I'm a serial entrepreneur, you know I have a coffee business, but you want to pick my brain over somebody else's coffee. But that's, that's the neither here or there. But they, they reach out about sitting down to meet with them to pick my brain and not once in the, the the email or the text or whatever do they say, what are you doing? How can I help you? Knowing how much I have going on. And I think a lot of people feel this way. 
um, with people that are up, up and coming in the industry and want to get advice and want to get, you know, network and get opportunities. Always, what can you do for that person first? Because at that point, they owe you. Versus, you know, you gotta, it's, it is a little mind game sometimes. And, but at the same time, it's also a genuine thing because people really work with people that they like and they, they know are hard workers and they know that will deliver and they are, they are connected with. So I think it's, it's just about a mixture of coming, approaching people right, making sure that when you do approach them, there's something they're tangible that they can say, oh, she's about her business. You know, oh, look at her website. Okay, I see, I see. And then in addition to that, not even asking for anything, just developing the relationship and contribute to whatever you can. And then later on, it's easier to come back and say, hey, can you connect me with so-and-so? Or, hey, can you, you know, link me with this person? It's so much easier to do that because the people that you're talking to, they they don't need you as much. I hate to say it like that, but they don't need you as much. You need them more. So it's always contributing. They know what they can give you, but it's kind of convincing them what can you give me that I'm that I can utilize right now to help me get to, to my next level. Because everybody's trying to get to the next level. Um, and then just the last thing I would say uh, would be people always want to talk to people that are above them or, you know, you feel like they can do more for you than you can do for them or whatever. And I, I, I heard Issa Rae say this on that video is like networking across. That's so, so important, especially today, because the, we are looking at these people, you know, that are on Instagram and have certain amount of followers or that can do so much for us or whatever that situation is, when you're not looking at the people around that could really help, especially in the de developmental phases, before you even talk to someone that could potentially, you know, blast whatever you have going on on from a PR perspective, whatever the goal is, you have to make sure that the product itself is good. And a lot of times that is collaborating with someone that is in the same industry or complementary industries. But I think a lot of times um, young creatives aren't looking around them because they feel like, oh, you just like me. You got 200 followers just like me or whatever. So they don't feel like the value is there. But you would really, really be surprised how much of collaboration, a collaborative work can help in that networking sense to prepare you to get to the next level with someone that might be higher, you know, higher up. And I think that Issa Rae is a great example of this, working with other creatives on her show and then getting to the next level once that was done and amplifying that with other network networking opportunities. So yeah, that that's key is just to network across and aside, you know, advocate for people next to you, and and they will then do the same in return, and it's just a win-win. Love it. Thank oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. That was really important. Um, some things that I I heard that really stood out to me were like relationship building. Um, so it's not just about just connect, trying to connect with someone so that they can actually do something for you. But a relationship is really, a relationship is a give and take. So you need to 
understand, you know, yeah. what can you do for this person as well? Um, and also when you mentioned a lack of knowledge, someone approaching you and not really knowing that you have a coffee business, right. that's, you know, that's important. You need to research people too, so that you can know what their brand is about. And I mean, and, and, and it's about, and the fact that how can you support them? Always thinking, how can I support them? And for me, because I have a coffee business and people always ask me to do coffee, which is why I want to do like coffee with Chris. I don't know if that's a thing, but I just feel like, OK, everybody want to have coffee. Let's just do this together. But to say, you know, when I'm reaching out, that's a complete way to support them is saying, can I purchase a bag of your coffee or can I meet you at your office to try your coffee, I would love to taste it with you or, you know, to drink it over a conversation. Then it's like, okay, oh, you, you care about my, my brand? Like, oh, that's awesome. And, and, oh, you can, you know, it's $10 for a bag. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be crazy, but that simple purchase can be like, okay, let me see, you know, let me see what I can do for her. You know, whatever that conversation is, was with me, I'm more willing to, to go out of my way to help just for a small, you know, just a small gesture like that. So it helps. It makes sense. It, it just really sounds like strategic networking. There's a strategy to it. And you really have to be intentional. Yes. You have to be intentional. Yes. Ooh, intentional. Yes, that's a great one. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Oh, and also you mentioned lateral networking, not, you know, always thinking going to someone who actually you feel like is in a higher position than you or, you know, has a bigger following than you or a, a bigger network than you. There's nothing wrong with networking um, laterally with people who are actually on your level. Um, you know, so I, I love that you mentioned that as well, because I think the first thought that most people who are just starting out, um, have is that I need to get someone who can help me. I need to get someone who can help me. I need to get someone who has this and who has following. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up because collaboration is important with elevating your brand and, you know, starting your business. So that was really good. And one, one last part on that. So I get this a lot and I think that it's helpful to note that for when you're building brands, and you're building products or service to create your community, focus on creating your community first before you launch anything. And that's why networking laterally really helps because if you can bring two audiences together, if you, if you have a hundred people that you can bring to, let's just say event, somebody else can bring a hundred people. Now you have 200 people at your event and you can go then and say, Here's my case study, um, whoever you're networking to. Um, myself and another, you know, partner of mine, we, we had this amazing event and it brought out over 200 people and X, Y, Z. And now you're telling them what you can do and deliver. And but we've also worked with somebody side by side to do that. And I think that's where that lateral move and that collaboration comes in, because we can't do it alone. We can't build alone and we need especially in the very beginning someone else that can support um, where we may need a little help in to make the story stronger so when you are networking in the future you know it's 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 a stronger high high impact story um, so that's the key too is before you launch anything try to build a community first because 
it's you can have a product, but if you don't have anybody to market to, then it's kind of just stuck. And that's when people say, oh, my God, I need to find somebody to help me. When it's like, no, you actually didn't need to do it that way. Strategize, get get start your blog, get people on there, get readers, get users, and then roll out whatever you need to. So that was just something that I thought about when you mentioned, um, you know, that process of lateral moves. I'm, I'm glad you interrupted me to share that. That was good. <laughs> that was really good. So just sticking a little bit with um, relationship building and networking, um, you, I called you a creative magnet earlier. And, and I could be wrong, but I interacted with business, Chris. <laughs> I interacted with you while you were, you know, we were at the summit, um, CEO Chris. And so I always wonder um, how entrepreneurs manage their brands, their personal brands. Do you treat your personal brand the same as your professional brand? So um, I'm just curious because so many people are really trying to figure out how they should represent themselves in different situations and different audiences and different media um, versus how they represent their businesses. So do you treat them one and the same? So how do you um, manage your brand's reputation? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think for me, you know, staying true to myself is is really important across brands. So you probably would notice that the audiences for for Fame, for Made, for um, Chicago French Press are people just like me. A lot of our audience are Black millennial women, and and, it, and they attract those women. That's why I think Maven is doing so well because that is me. She is me. And with Chicago French Press, that it's my lifestyle. And so my business brands, my personal brands don't really conflict because I really am doing what I really love to do, what I really passionate about and what I really like care about. And so when my personal brand, I don't look at them as different because CEO Chris Although I am, you know, from a personal perspective, I'm very fun and, and I have a great personality and I'm, I'm, you know, energetic. That business, Chris, is who I am. So my personal pages, you know, I do talk a lot about business because I love business. I really love like learning more about entrepreneurship, learning about business trends, learning different um, things made by mistakes and I use my personal page to share those things that I've learned from business. Uh, but it's all the same to me. I, you know, my personal page does have a little bit more personality to it, but because it's me. But at the, at the very crux of it all, it's, you know, me trying to inspire and elevate and cultivate other creatives of color. That is, that's across all brands. And I think that for creative professionals, if you, you know, they are looking to um, create multiple brands, just make sure that it aligns um, with who you are and your personal brand shouldn't be that much different um, than your business brand because it's you and it's just a different platform. It's just a different channel. It might be a different audience, you know, in terms of interests, but it's still the same. 
So yeah, that's that's how well, I look I, at it. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's it's interesting you say that too because you know, we've seen over social media where CEOs or people in high level positions have, you know, said something or just have made controversial statements and people will stop using their products. Even though this is an individual, they believe this is the person behind the brand. Yes. And that's why it's like, I I really tried not to change um, because I like, I don't, I mean, other people can do this, but for me and all the brands I represent, really cognizant about like cursing and like negative imagery and like gossip and things like that, because that's who I am. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. You know, I want to stay true to myself because I also realize that stuff can harm you. And, you know, one thing that when we were interviewing Lovey, um, she mentioned that I thought was good. It's like when for, in terms of social media, if you wouldn't put it on a billboard and you, you know, in, in the middle of Times Square, you just shouldn't post it. And and because that can really affect your business, it can affect your job employment. I mean, there's so much for that social media can do to negatively impact you. So making sure that that is always on point so that that never happens. Like you don't want to slip up. And I, I am. I, I don't post everything in personal because I do feel like my personal life is my personal life. I'm married. I, I want to keep that separate. But, um, you know, in terms of, of just biz- business and content creation in general, I, I like to keep it positive, you know, um, and, and uplifting for people because that's what we need. We, we need a little bit less negativity in our lives and, and more um, not only empowerment, but practical tools that we can use to improve our lives. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. Thank you so much. So what's next for Chris? Oh, it's always something next. Um, (laughs) I am, I am hosting several events for Chicago French press. Um, We're, we have like five events between September and October and one is is really near and dear to my heart. It's an Alzheimer's um, walk in Chicago. We're the coffee sponsor for that. So that's exciting. For May, May, May Magazine, we're coming out with our uh, next issue in October, October 15th. So we're, we're excited about that. We are um, onboarding all of our content creators for our new uh, platform, uh, in October as well. So that's exciting. So it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, but luckily it's all exciting. We have the team in place to, to execute. So I'm just very thankful for that. It's not just me. And that's one thing I would share. You know, if you are trying to have multiple brands and do multiple things, there's, it's impossible to do it alone. And so, um, I really have some smart people around me that, are excited as, as excited as I am to to be a part of it and and the the rest of it for 2019 is just going to be off the chain I just I'm just so excited and so grateful and blessed that I've been able to stay in the game for so long because it's going to be eight years and it's just unheard of it's extremely hard you know this process has been extremely hard and then we have multiple brands it's even harder, but, um, God has kept me. And, and that is exciting because 
I know he's he's kept me and I've seen what he's done. So it's it's hard not it's hard to quit because it's like well you know, you know. <laughs> so he's gonna keep on blessing and and I'm just excited to see what comes next from him. I'm excited um, for everything that you're doing and your business is doing. Thank you um, for creatively collaborating with me as well. And so how can our dream chasers and our overthinkers, the people out here who are just, you who want to continue to be inspired by you and find out how they can get involved with creatively collaborating with you and supporting your businesses, um, how can they find you? Yes, they can find me. Everything, all the brands in my personal brand house on my personal site, it's chrischristian.com. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, everything else at Chris D. Christian. Thanks again, Chris. And thank you all so much for listening today. So here are my three key takeaways from my creative conversation. There is hope in your side hustle. Do not get discouraged, but do not drop that nine to five until those business operations and those financials are in order. Networking is not just for the sake of networking. There is a strategy. Be sure to be strategic so that you can build valuable relationships along the way. There is importance in making sure that your personal brand is a reflection of your business brand. Because remember, when people see you, they see your brand. I hope you've been inspired today. Be sure to join my Facebook group, Creative Masterminds, and drop a few creative nuggets yourself here and there. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, be you and keep shining.